from the Gospel of John, the 13th chapter. I'll be reading verses 31 through 35. Follow along in your own Bibles or on the large screens in front of you, or just listen. When he was gone, referring to Judas, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. Referring to Jesus' crucifixion, death and burial the next day. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And the people said, Amen. There are several ways that we can understand the word core. If you're an athlete, or even if you're not an athlete but you work out, you understand what it means to exercise your core. Our core is the the center of our body, the, the hips and the abs, and the core, it is said, is the most important part of what we need to exercise so that we're able to carry out the various duties and things that we're supposed to be about. If you're an athlete, they say the core is essential for all of the movements, whether it's a baseball swing, whether it's a golf swing, whether you're a swimmer, whether you're a gymnast, whether you're a dancer, and I'm a runner, whether you're a runner, the, the core exercises are essential. And many of us will say that we don't spend enough time on our core. And that's true for me. As a runner, I need to spend more time on the core. If you're in rehab, they say it's imperative that you exercise the core. If you've been recovering from a knee replacement or hip surgery, they will exercise your core so that you are able to have the strength to rehab that area. And then another way we understand the core is the center of the earth. It governs the gravitational force of the earth. It governs the way the earth rotates on its axis. It's essential to how we exist as people on this earth. 
And then you might work for a company that has established some core principles and values. When a company or organization or nonprofit or even a church identifies its core values, they're saying what is important to them and why they exist. Huguenot Road Baptist Church has eight core values that define our distinctiveness and unify our collective ministry efforts. When we teach our merge class for new members, we go over these eight essential core values. Matthew Hensley, who has put together the new member manual and has facilitated these classes, goes through all of these core values and also helps people be familiar with our church covenant. And we'll do that in a few weeks on Heritage Day, by the way. But let me list the eight core values that we've established, and then I want to focus today on one, relationships. But they are worship, proclamation, spiritual growth, ministry, relationships, stewardship, excellence, and flexibility. Worship, proclamation, spiritual growth, ministry, relationships, stewardship, excellence, and flexibility. The New Member Manual says the following about relationships. Quote, Loving relationships must permeate our church, inspiring us to value times of Christian fellowship, to care for one another, and to become a united faith community. And we also find this core value of loving relationships in our purpose statement, which you see printed in your bulletin. Worshiping, loving, growing, and serving in the name of Jesus Christ. Loving is important not only as a core value, but as part of our very purpose. And love is also integral in the way we make disciples. Yes, we have a purpose statement that talks about why we exist, but we also have a process of making disciples to help people assimilate into the body of Christ here and to find their unique purpose and spiritual giftedness and to serve in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is connect, grow, transform. Connect, grow, transform. And love is rooted in the connect part, that we connect with God and with one another as we experience growth and transformation in our lives. Love of one another is paramount to our existence as Huguenot Road Baptist Church. Churches can list a set of core values. They can have a well-defined purpose statement and a vision statement that is posted throughout the church talking about the future, where we are going. But if they do not have love, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, they have nothing. We are called to love one another. Jesus says this is how all people will know that we are his disciples if we love one another. Notice that Jesus did not say to his disciples that at that last meal, go perform miracles and they will know you are my disciples. Walk on water, calm a storm, feed the hungry, heal the sick. Cast out demons, and then they will know you are my disciples. He could have said that, couldn't he? But he didn't. He said, love one another as I have first loved you, and then they'll know. The 4th century church father Chrysostom wrote the following. 
passing over the miracles that they were to perform, Jesus makes love the distinguishing mark of his followers. Miracles do not attract unbelievers as much as the way you live your life. And nothing brings about a proper life as much as love. Love says a lot about a community. People might see all of the programs that you have, and they might see the buildings that God has blessed us with, and so forth. But if they come and visit our church and do not see us loving one another and giving the appearance that we enjoy being with each other, then they will wonder if that's an authentic place and maybe they'll go somewhere else. Love says a lot about a community. What does it look like? What does this love look like? In his farewell discourse, Jesus told his disciples, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. It's not a shall not, it's a shall. You shall love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And this phrase, everyone will know, suggests that the love for which Jesus is calling is a kind of live feedback loop. Something substantial that lets both the recipients of this love and the witnesses of this love from the outside community know that they are in the presence of a follower of Jesus Christ. In addition, this love is to be a kind of reminder for the disciples after Jesus is no longer physically present with them after his death and resurrection. Previously, when Jesus talked about love, he was talking about a love God and love your neighbor kind of love. And we're all familiar with that. The love of the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. The first part coming from the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, and the second part coming from Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. This love extended outward from a circle of believers to whomever was in need. It reminds us of the parable of the Good Samaritan in the Gospel of Luke. This love of neighbor is portrayed in a mural on a wall of a church in Washington, D.C. with the statement, don't look down on a man unless you're going to pick him up. That's the kind of love that the disciples were accustomed to hearing about, caring for their fellow neighbor. But here in chapter 13, Jesus is commanding the disciples to a different kind of love. Yes, it's rooted in the same, but it's specifically to one another. He says, love one another. It's very clear. In other words, he's telling them that when they act in loving ways toward one another, that they will reflect his love for them. And remember earlier that same evening, that same Thursday night before Jesus launched this discourse, He washed the disciples' feet to show them a way of loving through a way of serving, that they should serve one another. And you remember, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and that included Judas, the one who betrayed him. In effect, Jesus was creating a group, later to be known as the church, whose primary identifying characteristic or core value is that they love each other and express their love in service to one another. Beyond that, the 
The organization can be widely diverse in ethnicity, in gender, in language, in nationality, in age, in political persuasion, and most other things that we use to identify people today. But the disciples' love for one another is the essential identifying mark, as John explained it elsewhere in 1 John 4.21. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And then in Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 35, Jesus said, Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and my mother. Love says a lot about a community like the church. It marks those who express love as followers of Jesus, and it says they know God. Love is the mark of a disciple. So how do we show this love? How do we share it and show it? How does this play out in those of us who are disciples today? Is the presence of Jesus recognizable in the ways in which we love one another in the community of faith? Sadly, it's not that way for a lot of Christians, is it? Thinking about the big C, the the church universal, many Christians in our country and around the world today, are more recognizable for their partisan political division, pious religious attitudes, consumeristic behavior, and bigotry than for their love. And that's sad. We can show them wrong. We can prove different. In his classic book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says, when we Christians behave badly or fail to behave well, We are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. So I began to think about how we as Huguenot Road Baptist Church can continue to live this out as a body of Christ. What are some practical ways that you and I can practice this new command of Jesus in the church? How can we love one another? And I believe that the answer is when our attitudes, when our hearts guide our actions. And I'm convinced that it is mostly through serving one another that we love one another. As Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he said, I have set for you an example, and you are to do others as I have done for you. If we serve, or when we serve like Christ himself, then people outside of the church will know that we are disciples. When people come into our church and they see that we enjoy being together and that we are happy to be here and that we appear to be caring for one another, ministering to one another, serving one another, they will want to be a part of that authentic church family. And people can smell a fake in a minute, can't they? You know If you've visited churches before coming to Huguenot Road, you know what it is to experience authenticity. So if we serve like Christ himself, I believe people from around us will see that we are Christians. They'll know it by our love. So what does this look like here at HRBC? I'm going to ask you to do something tangible now. Many of you have already placed something in the offering plate as they went around. Now I'm going to ask you to consider a a different kind of offering. It's an offering of your presence. Your physical presence, your compassion, and your care. I'm going to ask you physically, everybody in the room so nobody's left out, 
reach out in front of you and take an offering envelope from the pew and hold on to it. Just find one. If there's not enough right in front of you, then just reach down. Make sure everybody has an offering envelope. And then make sure you have something to write with. Those little golf pencils are great. And I'd like to share with you three areas in our church where you might feel God leading you to serve. These are not elected committees or teams like some churches have. We have teams here. But rather, these are are ways that you can volunteer your time to make a difference in the lives of other people. I'm going to start off with our deacon ministry teams. Each of our teams is led by one or two deacons, but you don't have to be a deacon to serve on the teams. And that's the whole concept, is to enlist the congregation to share in their spiritual gifts serving on one of these teams. We have the bereavement team, which serves any member of the church who has had a death in their family. We have the compassionate hosts team, which serves when we have a member of our church who has a funeral here on site. They assist the family and the funeral home in anything that needs to be done on that day. We have a hospital team that participates in visitation when somebody's in the hospital. We have a new member team that goes out and visits new member families and carries a new member packet, and offers ministry and help them get connected. We have a prayer team comprised of a number of people who pray throughout worship services. They lift up those who are on our prayer list regularly and meet other prayer needs as they are shared with them. And then finally, we have the ordinance team, which assists, as today they did in baptism, and also on Lord's Supper Day in helping to prepare the communion elements. Deacons lead these teams, but people who serve on the teams don't have to be deacons. And there's no two- or three-year commitment. You might just serve one year and then feel God leading you somewhere else. So I'd encourage you, if there's uh, one or two of these that stand out to you, write it down on your offering envelope, and then I'm going to invite you to turn those in to the ushers as you leave the sanctuary. Two more briefly ways that you can serve. We also have a guest services team that helps offer welcome hospitality on Sunday mornings when guests and members are coming to church. Greeters at the church entrances are always needed. Parking lot attendance, that's an area of ministry we're trying to strengthen so that when members and guests come into the parking lot, they see a smiling face. Maybe you can help with an umbrella when it's raining or help a family that has several children trying to get the stroller navigated, or maybe an elderly person who's pulling into the handicapped spot and needs some assistance. Parking lot attendants are very important. We also have a wonderful usher team for both worship services, and that might be an area where you feel led to serve. And then we have three welcome centers or connect centers throughout the campus, and it's wonderful to have additional folks serving there. So we have deacon ministry teams, we have our guest services team, and then finally, another area where you can serve is worship care. Worship care is a ministry for our youngest babies through preschool. I can't tell you how important it is 
for a baby to feel and a young child to feel safe at church. And we have wonderful volunteers who minister to them every Sunday during each of our two worship services. It is formative in the spiritual life of a little one when they are cared for and when they are held and when somebody is singing, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. And as they feel safe and comfortable, so do the parents as they worship and they're not worried about their children. And then those prayers and songs and games that are played help to shape that person as they begin to understand more and more what it is to love God and follow Jesus as Savior and Lord. Worship care is a place that loves both parents and children. It is first welcome for families into the life of our church. Some churches say we need new, more new families, young families. Well, yes, we, we, we look for all people of all generations. But for young families to feel welcome into the church, they want to know if you care about their children. And worship care is one of the ways we do that. It's an introduction to young children to church and the ways church people love and serve each other. It's a confirmation to families that we willingly and happily welcome them and love them and their children. It's a place where adults and preschoolers meet Jesus together. Serving in worship care is so rewarding. There are high fives, there are puzzles, and yes, there's Play-Doh. It's an hour of play and close proximity to the least of these Every six to eight weeks, that's all you have to do. And it's good for your soul. It's good for children. It's good for families. And it's good for Huguenot Road Baptist Church. So deacon ministry teams. Laura will put these back up so you can look at them. She'll scroll through them. Deacon ministry teams, hospitality, and worship care. If there are two or three places you feel God kind of nudging you to to look into, Write those down on your offering envelope with your contact information and hand that to our ushers as you leave the room today. Here are some specific openings for your worship care. Preschool classroom assistants during both worship services and desk captains to greet family during both worship services. There are a lot of other ways that we live and serve here at HRBC. There are our leadership teams and administrative teams, and you'll hear more about those. But today, I wanted to talk to you about the teams that involve loving one another. This love and service is rooted in the incarnation, where in John 1.14, the Bible says, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Or as Eugene Peterson's message version says, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And there is a vision of this love and service in the kingdom to come. As you heard Reverend Rod Hale read earlier from Revelation 21, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more mourning or death or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Presently, in the kingdom that exists and in the kingdom to come, there is this understanding that God is with us, that God Himself will be with them and be their God. This is the incarnation. And when we engage in incarnational ministry, God is glorified and heaven and earth touch each other. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
This past Thursday, some of you saw on social media that I attended a pastor's peer group retreat out at Humpback Rock, which is near Afton Mountain. We did a great hike. We meet quarterly, and every so often we'll do something like a hike, or uh, once a year we do an overnight retreat together. But these nine pastors from throughout Virginia, we've been meeting together uh, for about 13 years, and it is one of the most rewarding groups that I have ever been involved with. So on Thursday, we hiked up Humpback Rock. We went the steep way rather than the, the longer circular way around and got to the top, got to the summit, and experienced God's glory looking out over the Shenandoah Valley and looking at the Blue Ridge Mountains. And then we began, after being on the summit, we made our way back down to the base We were hungry for lunch, so maybe I was just a little hurried. But the next thing I knew, I was in the air, and I landed hard on the trail. My buddies said that they saw me step on a large, round rock, and the rock rolled like a ball. And it literally threw me from one side of the trail over to the other, and I narrowly missed hitting my head on a large boulder rock. I'm still kind of sore all along my left side. I was dazed. And then, quickly, within an instant, two of my pastor buddies knelt down and asked me if I was okay. Did you break anything? Were you hurting? have a sip of water. And then after we kind of dusted off and everything seemed to be okay, they got on each side under my arms and they hoisted me up and then we walked back down together. And it was so meaningful for me to experience that kind of love for my Christian brothers who picked me up when I had fallen. And I believe that's what love is. This kind of love that Jesus has expressed to his disciples and to us is to love one another. As I have served, has loved you, so you shall love one another. And that love is unselfish. That love is sacrificial. And that love is unconditional.